0: You're listening to a podcast by Home Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast challenges you, inspires you, and most of all, helps you find home in Jesus. Enjoy the message. We're continuing our series. We're talking about that word abide. What does it mean to abide in Christ? And if you missed last week, man, catch it on the podcast because it it is the foundation for... What God has for us as abide church, we're talking about the importance of abiding. But today, specifically, we're gonna we're gonna talk about how to live like Jesus. How do we live like Jesus? And we pull that from uh, this vision statement that God put on my heart for abide church, which is this: that we want to help people live, love, and look like Jesus. To live, love, and look like Jesus. You know, that sounds really cool, right? Man, yeah, let's do that. But what does that actually mean? What does it mean to live like Jesus, to love like Jesus, to look like Jesus every single day? And and a lot of it comes from, God showed me this verse in 1 John 2, 6. It says this, and I think this is such a great challenge for us. It says, if we say we abide in Jesus, we ought to walk just as he walked. You know, it's easy to be like, yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I go to church. Yeah, I'm abiding in Jesus. But throughout my week, whenever I'm not at church, it can be easy to coast and to not actually walk as he walked. And so that's what we want to do. We want to help people live this out. How do we actually walk as he walked? And so here's what we're going to talk about today. How do we live like Jesus? And if you're taking notes, the first fill in the blank is simply this. We have to realize that Jesus lived to serve. He lived to serve. And if you've been in church at all, you you, you would say, yeah, of course, that... uh, That seems obvious, but let's talk about this for a second. Let's talk about how it relates to us. Jesus lived to serve. Let's look at a few verses. In Matthew chapter 20, verses 25 through 28, it says this, But Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. What does he say? You know, in this world, a lot of people like to, they, 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 we want to advance, right? That's the natural reaction. I want, to, I want to be in charge, right? I want to be in leadership. I want to be in a management position. I want to be over people. That's the natural instinct. Yeah, I want to I look and say, man, look at, look at all the people that I get to be over. Look at this position of leadership. I'm moving up in the world, and, and God's blessing me. But Jesus says, I don't want you to look at how many people you're over. I want you to see how many people are you serving. Now, how many people, man, look how many people I'm over. Good leaders will be like, oh, I'm over a lot of people. But great leaders will say, man, I get to serve a lot of people. And that's the difference between the world's mindset and the spiritual mindset that Jesus wants. For us, Jesus, he sets this this ultimate example of a life committed to serving others, even unto what? His own death. I'm going to die for someone else that doesn't even deserve it. And what he's showing us, though, is he's talking to his disciples. He's saying, look, the genuineness of your discipleship is revealed through acts of service. Or, a different way to put it, speaking of abiding, is this the the, the genuineness of your discipleship is revealed through the fruit of serving others. Because why? We talked about last week, we talked about, man, if we abide in Him, stay connected to Him, what happens? We produce His fruit. And as we produce His fruit, what? We should be acting like Him. It's Christ likeness. And in fact, that's what He says in John 15, verse 5. He says, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, what, bears much fruit. Everyone say much fruit. Come on, say it like you mean it, much fruit. For without me, what, you can do nothing. Without me, you can do nothing. Again, what are we talking about? What fruit are we producing? It's the fruit of the Spirit, which is Christ-likeness. And this is what God revealed to me this week as, we, as I was preparing for this, that lots of people... They claim to be spiritually mature, or maybe they think that they're spiritually mature because they've been in church for a long time, but they lack the fruit of service to other people. It can be easy to think, man, I I've, I've go to church every week, I, I'm there, like, God, I, I pray, I, I read my Bible. But Jesus is saying, look, the greatest among you is willing to serve, to humble yourself And to serve. In fact, he talks about it again in Matthew 23, verses 11 through 12. Jesus says, But he who is greatest among you shall be your servant. And whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. Therefore, the measure of success for disciples is not in how we rule, but in how we serve. The measure of success for disciples is not in how we rule, but it's in how we serve. Again, looking around, looking at my life, is there areas in my life that I am serving other people, that I'm looking to serve other people? Serving other people, though, is with no strings attached. It's, hey, I'm serving you because I love you. It's not, hey, I'm serving you so you'll give me a paycheck, It's, hey, I'm going the extra mile or I'm willing to do something that would humble me that I wouldn't normally do because I love you, because I'm a disciple, and that's what Jesus would do. The first thing we have to realize is this. we're going to live like Jesus, Jesus lived to serve. But point number two, if you're taking notes, fill in the blank, is this. To live like Jesus is to contribute to the kingdom. To live like Jesus is to contribute to the kingdom the kingdom. This is the big thing that I want us to get today is simply this. To contribute to the kingdom of God, if you're going to, you'll have to sacrifice something in your life. If you're going to contribute and serve and live like Jesus, you're going to have to sacrifice something in your life. Let me show you from John chapter 12 verses 24 through 26. It says this, Him my Father will honor. What's he showing us here? When you live like Jesus, you're going to have to choose to die to something. To something. Whether it's my time, whether it's money, whether it's convenience, whether it's comfort, whether it's sleep. Right? I got to get up a little bit early so I can go and do something that God's asked me to do or to serve at church, whatever it may be, I'm going to have to die to something. Not physically die, right? Praise God. But I'm going to have to die and sacrifice something. What does Jesus say? He says, if I have that seed, that, that, that grain of wheat, and if I hang on to it, I, I want this. This is mine. He says, that's all you're ever going to have. But he says, if you want multiplication in your life, I've got to take what I've been hanging on to, and I actually have to put it in the ground and die to it. So what? If I want, here's a great example. I've used this many times as i talked with people individually. A lot of people, that they have family members that are far from God. Man, I've been praying for my, my, my son, my daughter, my, my whoever, my family member to come to Christ. I would say, why don't you sow seed then? Why don't you serve someone else's son or daughter or family member at church and believe that someone is going to do what you're doing to someone else's family member. Someone's going to do that to your family member. What do I have to do? I've been believing God for this, but sometimes God says, would you trust me enough to plant that in faith and watch me multiply it back to you and have what? Much grain or much fruit in your life. God's promise is this. Though I contribute to the kingdom and I die to something, if Jesus shows us anything, it's this, that for every death in the kingdom, there is a glorious resurrection. With every death, whatever I'm dying to, the kingdom of God says there will be a glorious resurrection in your life. And it produces multiple fruit, much fruit. Let me show you a practical example of this. And I'll use the example from Mark chapter 6. I don't have the verses for it, but let me, let me outline it here. It's whenever, it's the most, probably the most popular miracle in Scripture, when Jesus feeds the 5,000. Several years ago, as I was reading this, just in my personal quiet time, God revealed something to me about this story because it's an amazing story, right? Let, let's, let's make sure we're all on the same page. Jesus is teaching. There's a crowd of people. There's 5,000 men, upwards of 10 to even 15,000 people there. It's getting late in the day. It's getting to the evening time. And what happens? Disciples come up to Jesus. Hey, Jesus, I mean, we've been out here. It's been amazing. You're doing some amazing things. But these people are hungry and there's no food. They're getting tired. Why don't we send them home so they can go eat? Send them to go get something to eat. Jesus looks back and he says, why don't you guys feed them? Why don't you guys do something about it? And the disciples, of course, are like, well, do you want us to go buy food? That's going to be a lot of money. Like, what do you want us to do? And Jesus says, what do you have? What do you have? So they go out and they search, right? They go through, and, and I can't imagine how, this, how long it took them. You think 10,000 10, people or more. How long did it take them to find the little boy who was willing to give up his lunch? Five loaves, two fish. They find this little boy and they bring it to Jesus, and they say, this is all we got, and Jesus says, that'll work. He blesses it, and he says, give it out. And as they give, what happens? It multiplies, it multiplies, it multiplies, until what, 12 baskets full of food are left over after feeding these thousands of people. We know the story, but here's what Jesus showed me. It's the Holy Spirit showed me as I read that. Is do we, do we really believe that out of upwards of 15,000 people, that there was only one child who had food? Just practically, really. Probably not. It's not in the Bible, but I would guarantee there was somebody else, maybe even thousands of people, who had food with them. But what did it take for the miracle to take place? A child saying... I got some food. Jesus, you can have it. So what do we see here? Out of that many people, I guarantee other people had food. But why didn't they give it? Man, they knew they were going to be out there with Jesus. They knew they didn't want to have to go back home and miss something and come back. They brought food with them. But why didn't they? Number one, maybe they ate it. Maybe they already ate the food, right? Well, I already snacked on it, and I don't have any food left. Number two, maybe they were too selfish to share. They thought this isn't worth my investment because I have my lunch, but if I give this, it's going to get divvied up to everyone and I'm going to get a crumb in return or a bite in return. Not worth my investment. Selfish. Number three is this. Maybe they didn't think that their little snack would go very far well, I just have a few things here. I got a few biscuits, right? (laughs) Like, I don't, how is this going to feed this many people? It's not worth me giving it. It's not worth me giving it. Why would I give this little amount? What difference would it really make? But again, what did it take for the miracle to take place? A child's faith saying, Jesus, I will give you everything because you asked for it. I'll give you everything. It may not be pretty. It may not be much. It may not be as good as that person's, but I'll give it to you because you simply asked me to give it all. One little boy with the faith to what? Die to his lunch. Be separated from his lunch. Resulted in one of the greatest miracles ever recorded that's in all the Gospels. And out of 15,000 people, Who are we still talking about today? The boy who was willing to contribute. He was willing to give. And here's what God showed me. Contributors in the kingdom of God, contributors get used to do the miracle. Consumers only get to sit back and watch the miracle take place. Here's another way of saying it. Consumers get the message. Contributors get the miracle. And this is what separates a lifetime of walking with Jesus but still being a, a spiritual baby compared to a lifetime of walking with Jesus and being spiritually mature. Is, man, I don't, I don't have much to give. I don't really want to give it. I'm, it's it's going to be kind of a, a strain on my schedule if I go and I serve Versus, you know what? Jesus, you asked me to give and it may not be much and it may not be pretty and it may not be as good as that person's but I'm going to give because you asked me to give anyway. I'm going to serve because you asked me to serve anyway. Consumers get the message. Contributors get the miracle. Consumers, they can come and they can sit and they can listen to a message in church. But what happens? A lot of times, in our culture, especially with, man, I'm so glad to be back to physical church gatherings because what can happen is many times when I'm just consuming God's word, but I'm not acting on it, I'm not serving anywhere, I'm getting spiritually fat, but not spiritually healthy. Does that make sense? What happens? It's just like working out and it's just like a good diet, right? My my going to church and serving is like working out. But my diet, spiritually is my time with Jesus every single day. And what even in the natural, what would it take? What do they say? Well, the diet is 80% of your results. Many people, they may focus on, well, I attended church or I went, but I'm just consuming, rather than, man, I went and I, I did something with it. I put it into action. I have a friend that I talked to this past week, and this is a great example of this. He moved to Oklahoma City about three years ago, four years ago, and he was down in the, the south part of Oklahoma City, and they were looking for a church. And man, I just couldn't find a place that they felt like they belonged. They found, finally found a church that was like the north part of, of Oklahoma City, where uh, it's like an hour drive from their house. And he's like, man, we love it there, but it's an hour. Like, it's an hour drive. I don't, if we get involved, like, we're going to have to get up super early just to get there for, to help with setup and all this stuff. And I remember we had this conversation, and I remember talking with him, and I remember just saying, but man it's church. What's it worth to you? What's it worth to you? And after a lot of back and forth, finally, him and his wife said, you know what? We're going to commit. Like we're going to, this is our church and we're going to get involved. I don't care how early I have to get up on my day off. We're going to commit. A couple years ago, I got a phone call from him and he said, hey man, you'll never believe this. They just offered me a part-time position as their elementary kids pastor here. He started off just taking pictures on the weekend but because he contributed, what happened? God opened doors for him. Two days ago, I got a call from him, and he said, man, you're never going to believe it. They want me to come on full time as their elementary kids pastor. And I couldn't help but just rejoice. And I told him, hey, remember back four years ago, three years ago, when you said, I don't know if I can commit to an hour drive there and an hour drive home. But you did. And what did he do? He died to his time. And he said, God, I'm going to give you everything that I got. And what did God do? God kicked open doors that he didn't even think were possible. And now he gets to step into full-time ministry, which has been a dream of his for years. Why? He was willing to die to something to contribute to the kingdom. That's what God's asking. Am I willing to give something up to get the miracle in my life? As we wrap up today, this this is what I want us to see. How do we practically live like Jesus? How do we, re- like, okay, yeah, we serve, but where do we serve? What do we serve? What, like, how does that work? The first one is this God's word commands us to serve in His church. I got to serve in His church. And if we're being honest, serving in His church, serving at church, is the easiest place, right? <laughs> it's the easiest place because the people you're serving are usually going to be nice in return, they're going to be thankful that you were there to serve. They're going to be thankful that you took care of their kids and you taught their kids about Jesus. They're going to be thankful that you were there to get things set up and to get things ready for them. It's the easiest place. And in my devotion this past, this past week, I came across this quote from Rick Warren. And I thought, I mean, Holy Spirit just put this right there for this message. And, I'll, and I want to read it to you. It says this. Pastor Rick Warren, he said, If an organ is somehow severed from its body, it will shrivel and die. It cannot exist on its own, and neither can you. Disconnected and cut off from the lifeblood of a local body, your spiritual life will wither and eventually cease to exist. This is why the first symptom of spiritual decline is usually inconsistent attendance at worship services and other gatherings of believers. Whenever we become careless about fellowship, everything else begins to slide too. It's a bold statement, right? I don't share quotes very often. I like to stick to quoting God's word. But let's look at what God's word says about that exact thing. In Ephesians 4, it says this, He, Jesus, makes the whole body fit together perfectly. And look at this. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Man, how do we how do I stay healthy? I got to humble myself. I got to die to something. And when I live a life of service to other people in God's church, what happens? There's a group of believers who are coming to serve me. But our natural instinct is well, if I serve someone, what about me? Who I mean, I'm not going to be taken care of. I'm going to be left out in the cold. But God's word promises, no, when you get a part of a healthy body and you serve you got a group of people serving you. It's just like a great marriage. Whenever I talk with newlyweds, the first thing I tell them is this. Look, your job is to serve your spouse well for the rest of your life now. Serve them. And if they have the same attitude, you're not going to be left out. You're going to be serving one another. And the more you serve, what happens? The more you abide in Christ, what happens? Your marriage gets better. It's not hard. It's not a strain. Why? Because you're both acting like Jesus to each other. It's not a strain. It's not a screaming match every day. How can I serve you? How can you serve me? Let's go. It's the same way a healthy body should work as well. This is why Jesus talked about this as well in John 15, verse four. It says, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. And I would say this, one way to abide in Christ is consistent attendance attendance. And service, where in His body, which is the local church, how do I how do I abide in Him? One way there's there's several ways we talked about that last week, but one way is to be attending, and serving, and contributing to His body, which is here on earth, which is the local church. Many Christians say they want to live like Jesus, but they're not serving anywhere in church. Now, take a step, get involved. Spiritual contributors get the most out of church because they show up with the mindset of Jesus. Who can I serve today? Who can I serve today? The last one is this. We serve in his church. We serve as his church. Just as important as the first one. Maybe more so. Serve as his church. In Matthew 25, verse 40 Jesus in Matthew 25 Jesus lays out this this entire situation where he's foreshadowing the end of the age and he's talking to this group of people that he's separated on the right and left and he's talking to these people and he says hey I was I was sick and you visited me I was naked and you clothed me I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink and this group of people they look back and they say Jesus when did we do that we don't remember doing that for you And in Matthew 25, 40, Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, you did it to me. He goes on to the next group of people, and he says, I was sick and you never visited. I was naked and you didn't clothe me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. And they say, Jesus, what are you talking about? If we would have seen you, we would have done that for you. But Jesus' response is the same. He says, look, how you treated That cashier, how you treated your family member, how you treated your coworker, how you treated your boss that you can't stand. And as much as you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. When I serve people, I'm serving Jesus. I can serve the biggest jerk in the world, but I can still say, Jesus, I'm going to serve them well. Put my feelings aside. Serve them well, because your word says, when I do it to someone else, I'm doing it to you. And I want to serve Jesus well. Serving in his church is important, but living like Jesus is an everyday thing, not a Sunday thing. Can't just serve at church, I got to serve as his church. A couple months ago, or about a month ago, I volunteered to mow uh, Leslie's grandparents' yard. I don't have any living grandparents. And as I was talking with Leslie's grandma a couple, or about a month ago, she was gonna pay somebody to come mow her yard. And immediately I thought, no, you don't need to do that. Like, I can come, I can give you a couple hours a week and mow your yard for you, not a big deal. It's like a third of an acre, I'll push mow it, knock it out, it'll be fine. And as I went, the first time I did it, I had a a moment with God, push mowing the front yard. As I was push mowing, I remember thinking I had this to-do list in my mind, man, I got a lot of things I need to get done today. And the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Holy Spirit was so strong in the front yard that day that I just, I began to weep. It was so tangible. And I leaned into and I said, God, what do you have? What do you need to show me? What do you need to tell me? As I was pushing on the yard, and it was hot, and it was muggy, and it was sweaty, and I was gross, the Holy Spirit told me, this is the most important thing you're going to do all week. In my mind, my flesh was like, what are you talking about? Like, pastoring a church, like I preach the gospel, isn't that the most important thing, Jesus? Like, he said, no, son. You're serving someone with no strings attached. Not to get paid, you're not getting paid. Not to be praised by anyone, it's not going to happen. But to mow that yard, and then when you get done, to go sit on the front porch for 15 minutes and to talk with them about nothing. About the trees, about the flowers, about the birds that come to their bird feeders, Nothing. But he said, you're humbling yourself to serve someone with no strings attached in return. And that changed my whole perspective on why do we serve in church? Why do we serve as his church? Because it reminds me that my life isn't about me. It's not about me. Who can I serve today? If I'm going to live like Jesus, I need to live with that question on my mind. When I walk into the meeting, when I walk onto the job site, when I get up in the morning, Jesus, help me live like you, who can I serve today? It doesn't always have to be, well, I'm gonna commit to mowing someone's yard. Sometimes it's that text that I talked about earlier. Hey, I'm praying for you today. Sometimes it's that simple. Hey, I'm gonna say a prayer for somebody. I'm gonna go visit someone. I'm gonna serve someone else's family member that's far from God. In faith that someone will serve my family member that's far from God. So what do we see? As a by church, we're we're committed to living, loving, and looking like Jesus. And then over the next couple weeks, we're gonna talk about what does it mean to love like Jesus, what does it mean to look like Jesus. But for today, Jesus lived to serve. Living like Jesus means what though? I gotta contribute to the kingdom. I can't just consume. I gotta grow up spiritually, and I gotta contribute. But contributing means I have to die to something. But be encouraged. With every death, there is a glorious resurrection in Christ. How do we do it? What does it practically look like? I serve in his church, and I serve as his church. It's not a a one-day-a-week thing. It's an everyday thing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, thank you for your word. Jesus, thank you for coming and setting an example for us. And God, thank you for making it simple for us. You knew we were simple-minded. You made it simple so that we could understand. And God, I just pray that as we take these spiritual truths and as we look to your word this week, help us live like Jesus by looking to serve other people. And Father, I pray that your word is true, that though we may die to something in our lives, though we may say, I'm going to give up 30 minutes, an hour of sleep. I'm going to give up my time. I'm going to give up my comfort to go serve someone. Father, your word is true, that everything that we die to, we get back multiplied back to us. So whether it's our time, our comfort, our money, whatever it may be, God, your word is true. And I declare that over everyone in this room, everyone that's listening on the podcast right now, that as they choose to follow you, We see multiplication in every area of our lives. And we thank you for it this week. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Home Church Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out homechurchtulsa.com.